All right, ready? I asked as you lit a cigarette. <laughs> That's how you know I'm ready. Yep. All right. Do I have a name? Why would you need one? Starbucks must be. I'm a fucking magician. Not the library story. It's our story. This story belongs to a lot more people than you think. What did you do? Minor Mendy. Welcome, Philorian. This is Catherine, your resident fan expert. I'm Jasper. There's no Marina in this episode at all. So, which, uh, what, what are you an expert of for this episode? Pain. Well, I will have said Julia, but okay. Um, <laughs> uh, that's that's pretty much what I said, isn't it? <laughs> Pain, Julia, they go together. Hand Same hand. thing. Um, so today's episode is about mercy, and it was my turn to um, a story. And it's funny because the when I was thinking of mercy, I was thinking of uh, people begging for their their life. That's where I heard the word first as a as a non-native speaker. Have and all of the people who have been begging for their lives in front of you. Exactly, because you know. I'm Serial Voldemort. killer. <laughs> well, that's way worse than what I said. Is it though? Yes. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, so uh, I, I was thinking about like this idea of begging for for mercy, for your life, this idea of, like, asking. And then I went to the um, uh, to the, the definition of it, which is, uh, there's two, there's the expression of surprise or fear, which is what we talk about, have mercy. But there's also a compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or arm. There's the way Uncle Jesse says it on Full House and the other way. Okay, what's that? What's that? Full House was a sitcom in the 90s where a okay. character's catchphrase was, have mercy. Oh, <laughs> but I just like this idea that mercy is not just express- expressing like a fear for your life or pleading for something, but can be someone something given. Um and it's not um i don't really have like a life story i think right now everything i will come up with will have been like trump related or election related and honestly we don't want to so talk tired. about that <laughs> yeah exactly uh, as we're recording that uh, trump has uh, trump has severely lost and still refused to give the white house a uh, position so you know fun 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 just like all the rest of us in covid you got evicted <laughs> but um but yeah I just I just felt that um uh, I, I just like this idea of compassion forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within the po- one's power to punish and I like this idea that you have the choice to arm and you choose not to you choose kindness and y- if people know me a little they know that it's something for me that is really important choosing kindness um, and it's something that I try to preach to, though I'm not always good at it. <laughs> we so all have was... our moments. Exactly. But yeah, that was just my, my story on mercy. It's just, there, there's no really story, just a reflection on 
the first idea that I had was about fear and it transformed to learning about mercy and through this episode, how it became this beautiful gift. I like that. Taking something that can be shown during a moment of, of absolute fear and possible death and taking it into more of an everyday kindness. Yes. I, I do think that we show mercy more than we think. And uh, I've, I'm going to try to um, point places I think I saw mercy. Um, just an, an FYI, they, we are going to talk about um, uh, the sister of the monster being kept in prison and violent, vi- violently held against her wish. So if it's a trigger, just know that this episode is about that. Um, I also, fair warning, in my head, I named the monster Truck. Huh, that's that's because... a new one. You usually Jennifer. Mm. I mean, the monster's sister's name is Truck. Ah. His name is Jennifer, and he described... I, I feel like he would describe names to her as being, you know, you're named after... You, you choose a name after something beautiful. The most beautiful thing she saw was a, like, semi-truck. So her full name's a really long, like, semi-truck name, but we just call her Truck. Hmm. I have well, a lot of time on my hands. I'm listening to a podcast called Ology, which is uh, basically a nerd that knows nothing, so us, uh, that that talks to uh, smart people like scientists about different kind of science. Oh, shit, we need to get a smart person in here. Oh, no. No, we're not that kind of of important podcast uh but in this uh, in in the latest episode i was listening she was saying how swahili do not have in their language uh genders she or he do not exist which i love and how uh for them it's not how they identify themselves and how gender is not an identifier and it just put everything you know about yourself and your gender and your name in perspective for five minutes and you look at the stars they're meaningless. <laughs> uh, but be- you as a physical form and entity mean nothing. Exactly. Um, so, but before we continue... That's our podcast. We're meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> Happy podcast. Yay! Yay! Um, let's go uh, to the 30-second recap. Uh, are you ready to perform? Am I ever ready? No. Exactly. Ready? Go. Uh, magical Isis is killing its hedges. Katie punched Alice. Uh, Harriet send a, sends a mirror message and then Harriet gets used as leverage. Alice and the monster are both in pieces. Uh, Penny's in danger. Margot's overthrown, but Finn doesn't want Margot to be under- overthrown and Mar- Finn hates that this is happening to her and Margot and also Penny happened. Yep, 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 yep. Penny happened. That's a that's that's a way to talk about it. <laughs> All right. So, um, who who are we talking to? Are we talking about Fillory? Are we talking about uh, Alice and the library, or are we talking about the monster? Oof, I don't know. Well, let's start from the beginning, which is okay. uh, the serpent, which is a. At the time, we don't know, but it's it's a uh, it's a terrorist organization created by uh, the library. We don't know it's from the library, though. I uh, I wrote down magical ISIS. See, I wrote Al Qaeda. So, 
uh, that is basically uh, trying to pin edge witches amongst each, uh, against themselves. I like um, that you can tell we were born in the, the age of war against the Middle East. Well, the thing is with Al-Qaeda, um, I, I like the, the videos. Animals. Eh? Oh, there were videos. Never mind. Sorry. Uh, uh, no, it's just an Al-Qaeda uh, basically was helped during the... Uh, the during the uh, uh, Cold War, was helped by uh, the American government. Yes, with with uh, with weapons to beat the uh, the Russian. Then they leave, They left, leaving them in shambles, and that's what created the. It's way more ex- complicated than that, people. But it's part of why it's there was literally a, that simple. Uh, but that's what created a resentment that's led to nine eleven. Hey, America, maybe let's stop helping. You need help from within first, but yeah, that's another yeah, story. We're not good and at I just, it. I just like that. Basically, that's what happened with the library. They tried to, to they help. I'm putting that in in quotation. Helped. A problem that is n- not they, real. They created a problem in order to create a solution. Exactly. They needed to be seen as saviors, so they created a problem. Oh, look, Kedgewitches are dying. We have this magical cure that's definitely... It has kind of an anti-vax feel about it that I didn't like. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> like, it, it kind of like the... I'm, first of all, vaccinate your children. Get vaccinated. Yeah, vaccination is important. Um, I am not an anti-vaxxer before I say any of this. This is No, just we believe in vaccine in this podcast. Based on shit I've heard crazy people say. Um, but it's, it's like the the anti-vaxxers have that whole thing where they're like, well, the vaccine is actually worse for you. Mm. Yeah. Like uh, you put something bad in yourself. That's why I've got the autism. (sighs) I do. I can say that. Oh, yeah. I am autistic. I can say that. I just, (sighs) Every time they're like, vaccines cause autism, I'm like, which is much better than being dead. Why would you want a dead kid instead of a kid like me? Don't answer that. Uh, There's an amazing uh, podcast, uh, Sawbones, that is the story of vaccine. Watch it, go listen to it, because basically the parents will... Like give their their children an unknown vaccine to make to in case they will survive. So like please people vaccinate your children. Um, but that said, they uh, before we go to the reads, Mark, it starts with uh the the serpent saying, uh, showing that they put a worm inside uh, a hedgewitch head, and the hedgewitch tried to defend themselves, and they die. The dude from the other timeline, the from, from the, the dis- district thirteen timeline. Uh, the guy whose mom died. Is when that Stoppard? I believe I think so, wasn't it? No, cause Stoppard, we see him in season five. I swear to God, it looked like him. Huh. Uh, but the thing is, they say like, oh, if you remove it, it's gonna, they're gonna die too, and we take them for granted. We don't know if removing the worm is deadly. Are you Googling to see? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also, by the way, off topic real quick, but um, when I was pulling up this episode, I'm like, wow, we don't have a lot of episodes left in this season. Oh, we don't have a lot of episodes left in this season. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, basically, and and the it's the idea that um, that like we don't know basically if the serpent, what the serpent is saying about removing it, is true. But like, it's not something you want to try. It's like that's why we never yeah. have we ne- we don't have a lot of uh, vaccine for uh, let's keep on vaccines here on a pregnant woman because you don't want to risk the child. Because <laughs> you know? babies are sensitive, um, and as they are talking about that, and like KD is starting to understand that this is bigger than just like a couple of Edwidge needing uh, some uh, magic. Alice arrive and is the first one that is asking for mercy to Katie. And Katie punches her dead in the face. Which means that Katie doesn't give her uh, the mercy because it's yeah, something. She, she had the crowbar. She had the she crowbar. She could have gone in with the crowbar. Um, to be honest, that punch is like long needed from everything she did. But after, I think that's what is beautiful about Katie. She like. Told her you were an asshole. You fucked us over. I'm mad at you. And everything we felt, like she felt, and the gang felt in that punch. And she's like, okay, now let's move on. And I, I admire that through Katie because we know she's able to hold a grudge. Yeah, but Katie's also been shown... Katie showed more mercy than any other character. Especially with Alice. Like, she's like, okay, I punch you. We said all her scar. No, I need you. You're gonna, you're gonna help me. I mean, just overall in general throughout the series, like Katie has shown mercy to multiple to Julia after everything and everything, everything that ever happened between them ever. Uh, Marina, pretty much everyone who's ever fucked her over, which is everyone, because mm-hmm. Katie has really bad luck. Yeah. And I like that she's trying to explain um, to Alice, like, look, we're not trying to overthrow the government. We're just trying to survive because um, it rings real with what's happening right now in the U.S. where a lot of people are rioting in the street for a basic need. I mean, we are trying to overthrow the government. Yeah, that's another story. But, (laughs) well, let's say that the BLM movement, the Black Lives Matter, which we agree here... um, they they started not as an we're gonna like overthrow the government. They started as hey, we just want to survive, please. Yeah, please stop, stop killing us. Exactly, and that's basically what's happening here. It's this idea that like we're we're not this association like the serpent that want to take over the world. We just we want to live our lives. <laughs> we want you to stop breaking into our houses and shooting us while we're asleep. Mm-hmm. And um, and and yeah. After that, she gets punched in the face, which is honestly. Uh, also, can so we nice. talk about how um, uh, Alice mentions that Katie is known as the new Marina? Yes, which means that's what the library calls her. Hmm. Hmm. Who gave her that name? Do you think it's Zelda? Or is it the Hedgewitch industry that came to Marina when she gave her the penthouse? Ooh, go ahead. Go further. 
So when Marina, because after like after this episode, we don't see Marina again until season five. Yes. And Marina has really given up being. She's given up everything, literally, pretty much, mm-hmm. to be the person that. Spoilers, if you haven't seen it. I don't know what to tell you. We're another spoiler-free podcast. It's I okay. don't know what to tell you, bro. It's been out for a year. <laughs> um, but she had given up everything to be the person that her girlfriend wanted her to be. Yeah. And part, I think the first step of her doing that was handing over basically the, the keys to, to hedge bitch them to someone else. It was Marina's kind of new safe house. I'm putting that in quotation mark. And she gave it to... It's it, it's interesting that she's not giving it to Julia. I think it makes more sense. I don't, I don't think... I don't think she... I think she trusts uh, Katie way more than she trusts Julia. Why? Because she knows Katie. She knows what Katie's capable of. And she knows that... Katie will make the hard decisions that Julia might not want to make. But uh, Marina, we're talking about Marina 23 right now, saw Julia kill the the monster Q. And saw Julia having goddess power. Yeah, that's terrifying. She what wanted more she, someone like her, like them. What if she needed to take it back? Mm. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense that you give some like, especially if you fight, you have fought the power of like the break bills and everything. That you don't want to give someone with more power the reign of. That also explains why Pete's there. You think that she sent Pete? I think I think when she in in giving up everything and becoming not herself, I have a lot of issues with that. Anyway, I think she sent Pete basically away from her, if not to Katie, you know, just away in general because he did become love lady. And it's probably through the grapevine that he heard like, oh, like Marina and other people are starting to call that girl. The new Marina. I gotta be with her. Keep an eye on my safe house, Pete. Yep. Oh. But the thing is, she he becomes loyal to to Katie, not Marina, because Katie saved his life. Okay, but whose plan does he immediately follow in season five when there's a plan? Yeah. Marina's. Oh, Marina's got a plan. Pete knows how to do this. This is what Pete's done Pete's entire life. Pete does not know how to be a leader. I only follow strong women. Yep. I like that. I like this idea of like a potential mole that never like freed it to that, but it could if Marina would have wanted. Both a mole and possibly I feel like she and Katie did not have a good relationship. No. I feel, though, like she had a weird protective sense over Katie, though, after Katie's literal mother literally sold her to Marina. Mm. 
That's one of those oh fuck situations. Yeah. Even when you're... Because we don't see that happen to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also think it's just to watch over the safe house in general. Yeah. Like, I trust true to a... Like, I think it's in season five that she say this is why I don't hang out with you people. Like... I mean, they make musicals happen. I, I get it, though. I love musicals. Um, yes. But, yeah. So, basically, Alice just gets it in the face. And oh, after that, they, they go right into business. And that's what I admire about Katie is, like, okay, I said all my score. Now, let's share our information about the library. And Alice is like, fine. I deserve Katie it. Katie has the same type of anger that I feel like I have. Where it's like, I'm mad. I hit it. I'm done. <laughs> and I still know I hit it. I'm done. Yeah, I exactly. was mad. And I hit it. It's over. And I like that Alice even like say, "Oh, I, I was the one that opened the pipe in Modesto," and Katie tried to blame her for it, and Alice refused because we know that Alice is wallowed in self pity a lot during this season, but she refused to take the 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 um, the, the the burden of what happened in Modesto. She had, um, what's her name in Modesto? Sheila. Sheila. I wanted to call her Caroline. Not the same person. No, not at all. Um, yeah, well, in Modesto, she had, we talked, uh, in last week's episode? Time is a social construct now. One of the episodes that was not this one that came before about how um, Sheila was like her sponsor. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason she doesn't take on that burden is that she had someone there at the time. To say, like, like she knows that she was not doing that for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't all her idea. And you cannot blame yourself for action of like others there's like a limit for a, i blame myself for an earthquake once um speaking of sheila did the library took sheila because of her ability to map the pipe or did they saw something before her? i never understood why the, the the library went for sheila i thought they took sheila to hurt alice Make Alice, because the library has kind of been trying to make Alice alone. Mm -hmm. The only person who has not, the only person within the library who has tried to keep Alice from being alone is Zelda. Mm -hmm. Zelda has always tried to make sure that Alice does not feel lost and alone. Yeah. The rest of the library... Well, let's talk about them because that's the next uh, the next moment with the, the the whole thing, which is the library seeing the serpent and um, the serpent video, and right away uh, they have a solution. Oh, the reads mark. Uh, we're gonna do that. We we'll do that first. I I the moment I remember the moment it happened like live. I first time I watched it. I thought it's too good to be true. Yeah, the first time I watched, it, I thought, oh, that that does something different. And, what you think it does. 
and no paperwork, which like no paperwork, no case needed is good in theory, because this is the idea of, um, I don't know if you have that in the US, but in Montreal, we have place where a drug addict can get and get their urine shoot by actual nurse. We don't ask who you are. We don't ask where you oh, got the, the drug. Oh, that's a dog clinic. Oh wait, or are you talking no, about? We call that a sh- uh, in Chutrille. It's a, it's a place where you actually get your, and if you overdose, there's like people there. Oh, um, in the U.S., uh, I actually have some somewhere. Uh, you can just carry Narcan with you. So if someone ODs on heroin, you just give them a shot oh. full of Narcan, and it's terrifying when they come back from it because they are literally dead and then they all of a sudden sit straight up and they are pissed oh so, so it's like a pulp fiction yeah it's it's and then they throw up on you yeah i don't but, recommend uh, but it. yeah it's just this idea like there is no paperwork no no question as this anonymity is not about tracking you but no paperwork means no tracing which means how do you remove the mark Actually, it's interesting that you missed that you mentioned the uh, like drug addict thing because that's essentially what they see hedge witches as. Mm. Ooh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I got a chill, <laughs> and I just had this uh, horrible, horrible revelation that uh, last time someone marked people the tattoo was the nazi of course we're it's not the same thing like the um the it's okay the thing is zelda said it's not mandatory it's it's you decide if you because you have it or because you're scared but they create it not without knowing it i'm saying that not no like we cannot blame the 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 phyllis to come with that that argument that um uh like they don't they don't some will live in fear and wouldn't want it. And I agree with that. The thing they don't know is it's Everett that created that, that fear. Okay, so I'm thinking about this comparison now because because you mentioned the last time people people got their, their arms marked during the during the Holocaust. And I'm thinking about how they had the yellow star to identify them as Jewish and the hedge witches have the hedge star. Mm. And this does kind of connect with that. And we, uh, if we go in an earlier episode, we even seen timeline thirteen that the govern the Mughal government used their this uh, these these stars as against the the hedge witches. Yeah. Oof. So we got the Holocaust and drug addicts. Fun episode. Um, the fun show. Also, go, uh, all the drug addict thing because like Alice is just now seeing with the library being like giving them all of this. Alice is seeing what the withdrawal of magic mm-hmm. is causing, and this is someone who tried to get rid of magic and has been made up of magic and has wanted to quit magic. I just. You saying that just give me a parallel between Alice wanted to quit magic and Julia wanted to quit magic? I was thinking that when I wrote it down. Hmm. But, and, um, and then, uh, but I think from the moment the Reed's mark was implanted, 
that that was the line that went too far for Zelda, I think. I think she was starting to have doubt and okay, Ariat is not there and she's like destabilized and she's grieving. But I think the remark went too far for her. That and when Everett, you know, asked if if everyone was in agreement, only one person said anything in the entire room. No one else agreed or uh, rejected, just Jewel Straight character mm. I keep I as far as I know her name's Kaylee uh it's it, isn't it Phyllis I don't know she played Kaylee on Firefly let me google I just know the actress real okay it's it's fine we're not through the first page of notes nah. um but the thing is after good. after we are um we are to Zelda, who is asking for help. Uh, yeah, it's Jewel. So she's Phyllis. Okay. Okay. Yeah, she was the only one who said anything. I think that also was part of why Zelda's like, we didn't all agree to this. You decided it before you walked into this room. Yeah, it, feel, it really felt like white male privilege. I mean, that's Everett's whole character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and then we uh, we arrive to Zelda, who is asking for help because of Ariad sending a message. Um, is that it? Uh, the next note I have is about Katie and Zelda. Yeah, me too. Uh, and uh, and the thing is, oh yeah, that's it. Um, basically, Zelda needs their help, and Katie said okay, but we need more pipeline. And she, she used Modesto to say no. But I'm pretty sure that Zelda is smart enough to know that th those were rogue. Or do, do you think that she buy into Everett's lie? I think she wanted to hear it from Alice. Mm. I, I think also... she trusts Alice more than anyone ever should. I also like that um, they called her out. They like refuse to forgive her for what she did because she's like, a situation you created with your tracker so like i like that um i mean we zelda is a complex cre creature <laughs> woman uh but i like that we never yeah we never i uh, know is a creature woman but we are never they never shy to point out their flaws i mean that's the beauty of the magician um no character is perfect um, but I like that they called her on that because basically everything started because of that. And it's true that the library takes ownership. And everyone else has, has been wallowing in their, their mistakes. Yeah. So I think, I think it's, it's also good for them to be like, this isn't our fault for once we didn't do it. But also like, she was like, no, blah, blah, blah. And KD just shut her down saying Edwidge have always self-policed what's the big deal and this is the government trying to go into a minority group without understanding the minority it really is <laughs> I really like what Katie says to Zelda next though when, what does when, she say? when Zelda's talking about like you know why should I why all this because you want your daughter. 
Mm. Which is, this is just, I love this parallel. That Hannah sold Katie for magic and Zelda's selling magic for Harriet. Wow. Oh, wow. That's powerful. Wow. Sorry, mind blown gif here. The uh, most amazing thing is that Katie recognizes mm -hmm. that Zelda loves her daughter despite Katie having Hannah for a mother. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful parallel between the two. I agree. There is something talking, we were talking a bit, a bit, a bit early. Uh, Pete value is life more than magic. Which he is new for live. Well, No, but that's new for Katie. She hangs out with people that will sacrifice their life. She went in an actual, like, almost killing quest to get back magic. She so having someone that Julia. said, fuck magic, I want to survive. This is the opposite of Julia. Yeah, but uh, it's also like some. That's why she doesn't understand Pete's reaction of saying, "Yeah, I'm getting the mark for that." Yeah, Pete's uh, first for Pete's first uh, line of business is make sure Pete's alive. And I don't think we can blame him. No, that's also my first instinct is keep Pete alive. <laughs> Um, then we, uh, oh yeah, then we go to, uh, Brick Bills, where, um, Foggy tell Alice that he want to quit because the library is asking for a list of potential hedge witches. And he says, everyone has an, a line, Alice, and mine is turning over a list. Which is, if we go back to the Nazi. <laughs> D. Schindler. Yep. He refused to, uh... To, like he understand his place in this new regiment, and but he also knows that what he's doing. I think it's a bit like um, at the beginning. I'm, I'm going to go political a bit here, but at the beginning of, of the Trump area, um, there was a lot of old Obama staffer. But when it's starting to uh, Trump was starting to do his weird shit, they all fled. They were like, "Fuck this! This is not why I sing for." Also, this is the line that he draws. This is when this is the first time we've heard him say that he wants no. to quit. Yeah. I just know I want to quit. He doesn't want to do it anymore. But that's the thing. And Alice tried to insult him to make him do something. Uh, but like, but, it, but like, it's past attentive to help, especially like the squad. Never worked. No wonder like he's tired like this. Oh, God, yeah. Like, you see, I think you see all the pain of the 39 timeline. And that's, I'm tired. And we, we've seen this all season, too, with him. This is the season he's just, he can't do it. Yeah. And also what's beautiful is er earlier this season, he showed Alice what, how to bargain with Sheila in the library. And now Alice is helping me back. See, I have something they want. I'll add the list to it. Oh, that's a beautiful come around too. Because I think it's it's like a gift that Alice can give to. Uh, it's maybe her way to forgive him for everything he did to her, for not for helping her out of the library for like this whole 
catastrophic season they had together. Sorry, I I broke- yeah, I, that broke me because now it, it just comes so full circle of him being like, you have to have your bargaining chips. And now he's like, I want to quit. And Alice is like, no, you taught me one thing and only one thing in your entire uh, career as a dean. But, and, and the thing is, Alice steal. But the thing is, when Alice learned about how to make a deal and how to use her bargain chip, she wanted to quit. Alice does not like having power. She's scared of it. Yeah, because she's had power before, and mm-hmm. she did weird shit with it. I, I yeah, can't even call did- it bad shit. It's just. It's Weird. hard to judge what Alice did as a Niffin because she didn't have a soul. That's why I said I can't call it bad shit, just weird shit. Yeah. But also, there's something uh, beautiful is that um, Alice managed to like get, like, you see Alice confident boosting having Katie on her side and then getting the library and then getting Henry to give, like, she's like handling her own. And then she say, don't worry, it's just a prison, I'm a force for monster. And Katie's like, whoa. People are believing in her and yes. trusting her. But and Katie is worried. I have one more question, though, about Fog. Okay. I want to know what was on that list if he was, if he actually was going to really give them a full and complete list if the list included expelled students if marina would be on the list since she's technically dead i have so many questions well i think he didn't even want to think about it you know like you you hear about that and you're like you don't think about oh i'm gonna put this person in this person you're like no fuck that Oh, I'm thinking about all the people I'm putting on that list. <laughs> I hate you, and I hate you, and I. This is my death note. <laughs> but yeah, and um, but yeah. So Alice is like getting back her ground of okay. I know what I'm doing. This magic. I'm a phosphormancer. This is a magic that I know. And Katie's like, don't blow yourself up. And she's like, you punch me in the face. And she's like, yeah, but I don't want you dead. Don't. I actually wrote on Katie. Don't die. Yeah. That's that's how Katie expresses Everything. I like you. Like, uh, yes, you, she expressed the yes, you did bad thing and we are going to pass over that because we're a friend and I don't want you dead. We talk about, Elliot mentioned in season one, I bond quickly. Okay, Can we too. talk about Katie and how quickly Katie bonds while Katie... The thing is, people bond with Katie. Are you okay? Yeah, hockey puck's doing something weird. Um, yeah. Sorry. Hockey I just puck being her. a cat, by the way, not a, like an actual hockey puck. No, she just runs and slides into shit full force. Um, but yeah, and and then uh, Alice end up fucking up with the the prism. Uh, Zelda didn't fully warn them about Mirror Harriet, by the way. I don't think Zelda understood Mirror Ariat. Nobody understands the mirror, the mirror word, the mirror. We can't world. even 
say it. We don't understand it so much. Uh, especially for my uh, potato field mouth. But I, I, I think, like, even Alice, when we she's going to go and everything's going to happen in the end of the season, she's like, I never really went there because I was scared as an infant. So the mirror, where the, the, the MW is really a place of fear. The library doesn't have information on it. Niffins are afraid of it. And if there's something Zelda relies on is information, but she's smart enough not to give false information. Oh, she she will not tell you something if she can't cite her source. She's got to have receipts. Especially if it um, help her uh, daughter. And that's all she's here for. Yeah. Um... But then, yeah, you, we, we see Alice split himself. And it's funny because I, um, I always call my depression Venom, which is the villain in Spider-Man, who takes over uh, basically Spider-Man and make him act and talk a way he doesn't want to. So it's, a, it's someone from the exterior that takes over. And, but I think this inner... opposite feelings about the symbiote. <laughs> I well, one. it's more complicated than that, the symbiotes. But the, the idea that it's something exterior, it's not yourself. But I think what we see with this second Alice, like I called her Venom Alice in my on my thing, or Mean Alice, it's this like depression, anxiety-ridden. Oh, I wrote down Bitch Alice is just the way Alice always talks to herself. Yeah, yeah. It's this like... Uh, um, one of the things therapists say a lot is their patients are so hard on themselves. Uh, yeah, John's like, if anyone talked to you the way you talked to you, you would hit them. Well, yesterday I said something, I don't remember what, and said, just like snap and say, don't say that about my wife. I have done that. No one talks about my best friend like that. I'll fight exactly. you. I'll fight you real in real life. Exactly. Um, Oh, but, by the way, real quick, uh, Harriet was signing um, to Alice, mm-hmm. and she said, uh, you won't be able to finish and, like, slow down or you'll mess it up, but I just noticed those weren't subtitled and felt the need to flex <laughs> my language skills. Well, I wrote that uh, later, but I can say it now that um, it's really an oversight of Alice that she knows she doesn't speak ASL. She knows Harriet does. And they're going to be together. She, Zelda should have been there or someone that speak ASL. Yeah, it was... Or they... I don't know why Alice doesn't. Um, if you want my opinion, it's not something you can do with magic. I feel like it would have, like, there would be completely different magic. Okay, this is not mainstream magic that she learned. Oh, right. I have a lot of theories about ASL magic. Yeah, no, I, I believe you. I, I think ASL could be really interesting, especially in the world of Tutting and the Magician, but it's not something... I don't think it will be something mainstream. Oh, yeah. And Alice is no, knows the mainstream. That's why, like, Katie kind of knows ASL a bit at the beginning. And Breakbills does not cater to the disabled. What do you mean? <laughs> um, But, yeah, and then the, the both... both uh, Alice's fight, which surprised me, is that mean Alice didn't win that fight. 
neither of them it it's it wasn't so much that there was a winner as this was the first time Alice got to confront her past mistakes and her fear like head on like she yeah. got to I wish I could stand in front of like my mirror self and be like you know what actually now that I'm looking at you you a little bitch yeah and, and um and then she's gonna lock her up in the um in the mirror the MW uh but I think Alice is smarter than that that to know that locking away someone or something because she's been locked she's just been locked with the library so I like this parallel but also how she knows that and she's smarter than knowing that if the monster can evade his cage everything can escape and she she realizes she can't lock away this part of her mm-hmm. because this is a lot of people have have misunderstood Alice and called her arrogant and it straight up says that in this it's not arrogance it's fear Mm -hmm. and she's trying to lock away her fear and she finally kind of confronts that well that's that's a thing that she that's what I wrote is Alice learned to have mercy on herself oh that's that that (laughs) That's my uh, my my bell uh, for my door. Oh, oh it's that's jazzy. Horrible. <laughs> it's like a party of social anxiety every time the doorbell rings. Oh God, who's here? My my bunnies are terrified. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Alice learns to have mercy on herself because basically, if we go back to the definition of mercy, is uh, compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who's with power to punish or arm you. She has needed to forgive herself for being Her- afraid of herself. And I think she can she started to heal after that. It's and I think that's why a lot of people when they go to therapy at first they face their demon for the first time and they're like, holy shit and they start to heal. Are you okay? I think I explode. Oh, I was just like the first time you go to therapy and you face your demons, you're like, I didn't know that was inside of me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, no, I, was just, I was just thinking about the two Alices working together and how she's she's come to peace with herself. And the reason the spell didn't work the first time, um, like, like uh, when Harriet was signing Slow Down or You Mess Up, Alice is afraid of her power in the beginning. She's afraid of what she can do. She doesn't know what she's capable of. And then when she's doing it the second time, she's not afraid of herself. I, so I'm she's... just I, I'm just putting two things together with what you're saying. Alice couldn't perform the spell with her mother. Okay, uh, Jasper went full nonverbal here. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, Jasper agrees. <laughs> but basically, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, 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 Jasper, Alice was not able to perform the, the spell with her mother, and not because she needed to forgive her mother. She needed to forgive her vision of her mother. And now she need to, she's trying to perform a spell, but she needs to, to forgive herself before being able to do it. Not just forgive her, not just forgive both her mother and herself, but trust them. Mm. 
Well, I think that's why the mercy, because like we even see Alice Mother try to hit her. Yeah, that was fucked up. But like, no, no, but this idea that like she can arm her and Alice, yeah. we know she can arm herself. She even killed herself uh, through being a niffin. So I think that this is this idea to to say like, I'm going to have mercy on my soul or myself and forgive and have compassion with myself for everything that I've done. Because if I keep uh, th- thinking about it, I'm just going to down myself. You will not progress in life if you keep hurting yourself for what you've done. Yeah. Which, also, uh, oh, go she, ahead. Wear, she wears her glasses this entire episode. Mm-hmm. She never, like, she wears her glasses throughout the series, of course, but rarely ever during an entire episode. Well, usually it's when she does, like, powerful magic or she has to think or be smart. But this time, she's fully seeing... Oh, herself and the world not just herself but the, the world and what it's like for the hedge witches and why she needs to be able to forgive herself mm-hmm. and how this is bigger than just her um, which is uh, one of my question with Alice why did the bender throw himself at her don't remember that part right off she uh walks out of the mirror world with herself right oh right 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 wasn't julia looking for her that doesn't matter well yeah like she (laughs) she learned in this episode earlier that uh julia was looking for it and she took a note of it and then the other alice is like that doesn't matter right now exactly And, and the thing is like they were walking and the book fell and we learned after that that the binder basically showed himself to alice did he saw what happened with herself and say, oh, okay, Julia will be with people? Like, is it her, isn't it a reward to have the binder or to get the answer for someone else for one of Q's quests? It's like a reward for her. A reward for her to help others. Yeah. Because that's all Alice has wanted since episode one is to help someone other than Alice. She's I just never... got a flash that because of her Julia loss of power. <laughs> yeah, so it's basically healing Julia back or giving her the potential to get back her god godness godliness becoming a god (laughs) but becoming it through her choice yes like she removed the choice of julia to julia had the choice to not being a goddess in the end she made that choice but alice put her in that position now alice gonna put her in the position of getting it back and Penny will remove it for him, and that's another story, another episode. But right well, now, it's poetic and it's beautiful. That's that's actually beautiful because Julia didn't have the choice in becoming a goddess the first time. It wasn't mm-hmm. her decision, and that's 
an amazing gift to give Alice to give to Julia. Just and uh, Alice is the one that made un- uh, Julia understand that the gift that she had at the from the beginning, like Julia was, I don't want it. It's Reynard's, and it's Alice that said, "No, it's yours." I felt that it's yours. But I also feel like Alice didn't understand why. No, Julia- but I think Alice was always there to make the happening of goddess julia yes for julia to embrace herself she has to embrace alice yes well i ship it (laughs) um and uh uh, lastly with this side of the plot um there's zelda um and katie waiting on the other side of the door and Zelda is offering a pipe. I wrote down Zelda sharing her pipe. Because I I can't fully articulate what that gesture truly means coming from Zelda, but it's Okay, I'm going to I'm I'm going to go somewhere and I know you're na- uh, an, from a native tribe, so if I'm racist, hit me and Chase will edit it. I'll let you know, but I don't. I don't speak for all. all uh, no, no, no. But like, it's just like it's a sensibility that I don't yeah. have. I'm just putting that out in the pod in the podcast. I don't. I don't. Speak but for it's all just because, um, I, at least in in the tribe around Canada, there is this offering of the pipe as a sign of friendship. That's how they show their friendship with the the first settlers was to share the pipe of friendship. Oh, there's, and a, this, there's a whole ceremony about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we see that in Peter Pan really racistly. But it's this idea of, um, of like offering a pipe is offering this like truce between themselves. Because uh, uh, Zelda is fully aware that she is the reason Penny died. And it's even worse than that because we're going to learn later that there's a cure for it. But I will never forgive uh, forgive Zelda for that. But I love what she says about trusting her. Um, you have the capacity to sit with the woman who killed the man you love. Yeah. But see, she says that right after she talked about how Evril had mercy upon her and took her in. And uh, like helped her with the, within the library and then Zelda sees Katie doing the same thing but if it's with her soul it's not like something physical where she's going to be safe is basically she see in Katie's that there are way to fuck up and still be able to if we're not friend having a truce I love that. I love love their whole dynamic in general. It's beautiful. Because they're not friends, but they respect the hell out of each other. Also, I think... Zelda joined the Order at like 10 years old, apparently. No, she she had Ariat. I think she was like 16-ish. It sounded like she was really young when she's like, my mother died when I was 10, and then Everett found me in an alley. 
Yeah, but when you you think that uh, when you think that uh, she had Ariet, I will say maybe that she was sixteen ish. That does make more sense because I was I was very confused by that. Yeah. Timeline. I'm like, I need to know way more and also way less. <laughs> All right. Um, do you want to see Q and the monster? Uh, making sure that's all the notes I have. Oh, um, also, uh, uh, Zelda finding out that Everett lied to her. Oh, yes! Like, when Harriet's like, no, you don't under, I've seen shit. I've been in mirrors. Which, But that's the, that's the thing, she uh, refused to believe Alice and everyone. But the moment her daughter says it. That's... The only person she can trust more than herself is what she made. It's fair. And she knows that she fucked up with her, so if Harriet warns her, she knows it's real. Also, Harriet's not scared often. It's true. And Harriet is... Also... Uh, is this where the legend of Bloody Mary came from? Huh. Bloody Harriet. Um... <laughs> well, that, that is what Zelda saw. So uh, we start with um, Hugh unable to eat an enchilada because it's too hot and then he drops it. The poor boy just cannot catch a break. And I just noticed it because in the in the um, like uh, what the what's gonna be this week episode is Q eats an enchilada. It's not true. He never ate it. You lied to us, Sarah. Yep. Um, and then uh, basically they're trying to find like who's that binder person, and Q went straight ahead to D and D. But we cannot reference. blame him. They just saw a fucking dragon. <laughs> I mean, he's right. Yeah. If I saw a dragon, I would be way more fucked up. <laughs> and then uh, the monster arrived, and I find it beautiful. He basically gave them a quest. He said, like, oh, there's one left, and it's Analyas, blah, blah, blah. And Quentin, I've always been the one jumping on quest. Like, he had, like, even six uh, questing beasts. And this time, the quest come to him, and he's like, fuck that. I don't want to play Quest anymore. I don't want to play... You know, Magic School sounded real fun and cool in Harry Potter, but in the real world, JKR's transphobic and everything's bad. Yeah, basically. But but the thing is, um, I think the difference is for the Quest uh, of the Seven Key, Q was ready to sacrifice himself, but this time... you have to sacrifice Elliot. And even like the monster says, since I have no motivation to you, uh, then this meat sack, uh, if you don't do it, I'm going to go climb the Everest naked. Ice climbing with no clothes. Yeah, exactly. So like, I think that's the difference. Q is ready to throw his life away for, for things, but we won't take someone else's. You know that thing, how do I put this without being, without people worrying about me? (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm fine. I'm not, but I'm fine. Uh, you know that thing where you're not suicidal, but also you're like, yeah, I would jump in front of a car and die to save someone. Mm-hmm. To save someone if it had a different purpose other than just, I'm dead. The outcome's the same, but it's not technically suicide. Oh, yeah, we're gonna go back there in the end of season four. But I just would like to look into this for the next uh, few episodes left. Does Q have a hero complex? Hero complex versus death wish. Well, I think like this hero complex like is waiting on him a bit. Like, he's so tired. Like when they look in the library, and he shut down everyone, and she shut up. It doesn't save Elliot. I don't care. Yeah, he kind of be mean sometimes. No, but I like that. That's the but thing. It, like it's weighing on him. It's it's it's. We, I kind of want to cut this part out, but I also kind of want to say it. We cut well, it say it I'm, and we're going to cut it. I'm glad he was not a king of fillery. Yeah. He could not do what Margot does. Well, yeah, Q in this... Uh, TVQ is not uh, um, book Q, but even book Q, he was not a good king. No. Um, Quentin... Quentin likes the idea of a quest. He likes mm. the idea of being a hero. But it's he tiresome. Yeah, he didn't realize how much he would have to give up to be that. And I mean, I, I, I adhere to the spoon theory that everyone has a, a load of spoon that they have throughout their day and they doing stuff. And Quentin does not have spoon anymore. He doesn't just do not have spoons. The whole drawer's just gone. Exactly, and he still keep keep having to give some, get some. But um, yeah, it's just. Whew. And then Penny, like you say, oh, don't worry, it's gonna be fine. We always figure it out. And Penny's like, no, no, yeah, no. Take it from someone from a timeline where you didn't figure it out. Exactly, and I was, I, I, I want to ask you this question. Is does Penny downplaying Q Q's hope is an act of mercy? I actually was thinking about the about when when Penny said this. I was thinking about uh, the episode of Timeline and a Place. Okay, where he was not sympathetic to Marina finding her girlfriend in this timeline, despite the fact he found his girlfriend in this timeline. Mm-hmm. He's not. He would, he would absolutely stab anyone in the chest to save Julia. Yeah, any person. But he doesn't as much understand that coming from Quentin to save Elliot. Mm-hmm. He's not giving Elliot the same understanding that he expects everyone else to have. Yeah, which is just Penny. Yeah. Um, but also I think it's a way for um. For, for Penny to warn Quentin that this positive attitude is beautiful but dangerous. Quentin, you need a real plan. You can't just rely on we'll figure it out because let exactly. me tell you something. You have done that before and it was mad spooky. 
Yep. And I think it's the first foreshadow of Quentin dying. Yeah, there's a lot of weird shit that, that goes on where they were rewriting. Um, well, yeah, and then um, uh, they go back home and the monster is there and he call Julia Julia and he will call Penny Percy. Percy. Do you think that he know the other's name or he does that as a an antagonizing thing of like you're not even worth remembering your name? I have a vague idea of what your name is, and I'm going to guess, and if you don't correct me, I'm probably right. But do you think he does that on purpose? Or he just really, truly doesn't care? I don't think he bothered to learn their names. But I also think he thinks he knows what their names are. Mm. Um... And then also, he the killed a, a port. Quentin asks the monster, "Is is this a game?" Oh my That's god! His first question: Is this a game? He speak monsters. He's learning how the monster sees the world, which yeah, he, which you know, it's there was so much with these characters that could have been. Yep. Um. But then, yeah, the monster is uh, killing psychic after psychic because, you know, he thought it's a good idea. Well, his idea is not bad. It's just the way he does it that is bad. Like a child or me. (laughs) Um, That's a good idea you had. Your execution completely wrong. Also, I wrote down 19 psychics he killed and crossed it out and wrote 20. Fwah, fwah, fwah. And that's the thing, like, um, like when the, the uh, psychic die, uh, you see cleanup in the baby full aisle. Where did he learn that anyway? And then he didn't realize that Q will be upset about that. You know that thing kids do? Well, they'll just repeat shit they hear adults hear. I yeah. heard this in the supermarket once when there was a, when I made a mess. <laughs> no, that's fair. But... What I don't understand is he didn't realize Q would be upset. Q was upset of killing a pig. But then the monster... No, but he does. He does realize it because he says, and I wrote down, you're upset. I'll get rid of this gross corpse. He knows he's upset. He doesn't know why. He thinks it's because the body's gross. But the thing is, he's going to bring Quentin with him because he's going to come back and Quentin will be like damaged from what they did. Yes, but he's... the. The, the monster's also damaged, so he doesn't yeah. really wreck. He just, with the pig, it's like, oh, that's dead, and you're sad, because corpses are super gross. So you're upset because of this gross corpse, not because I killed someone, because bodies yeah. are gross. Or that's how I read it. Um, Yeah, and then the um, Penny will give, say, I'm going to do it, I, I okay. I have a lot of uh, thing, but you say first. You say I don't know this guy, but I have trained. If you don't know the guy, you don't know if he's a trained magician. Second, is it a show of mercy for him to take that weight out of Julia? I I actually I wrote down this is the first time Penny's done something for someone other than Julia. Oh, you think it's toward Quentin? 
because I think, because I, I mentioned earlier him not giving the same respect towards Quentin as he expects from everyone else with Quentin and Elliot and him and Julia. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe this is him saying, look, I know what I would do for Julia, so I know what I have to do for Elliot. Mm-hmm. Because and- I don't want someone else to feel that way. I'm big, bad, and tough, and I don't care about emotions. But what bothers me and is, is, is that he used this amazing self-sacrifice thing to get a date out of Julia, which cheapened the whole thing. Yeah. I, I don't think that was his intention. I just think he was kind of trying to light. I don't think he expected her to agree. But why does she accept that's she doesn't just accept she says or you could live and buy me dinner instead of because julia from the get-go she's like no you're not doing this because i actually have weird gross emotions about you now and you're not going anywhere till i understand those but and also she, it's fucking dangerous what the fuck are you doing and she she could have said or you could not do it and buy me dinner. She could have used the date to make him not do it. But I think it's a way of like, you you have to survive it now. Because you want to buy me dinner. It's a way to protect him. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, it's like, you you didn't want him to do it, and you could have made him not do it with the same thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the, basically Penny will make the monster visualize, and it's, it's this beautiful moment where basically it's guided meditation. I remember and, Penny's a really good therapist. And he said, oh my god, like you see uh, basically sister being sacrificed. And he say, he say oh, she's a st- sacrifice to stop him. And then, why is this making me upset? This is someone that's discovering a trigger. Also, uh, and Penny, Penny fucking, like, I want one. Because Penny's like, it's it's already happened, it can't hurt you. Mm-hmm. Which is literally something you say when going through traumatic events. It's already happened, it can't hurt you. But that's the thing is, um, when I go to therapy sometimes, I'm like, oh my god, what, what we're talking about is really hitting me because I want to cry. So that means if I want to cry, there's something there that is like buried in my reaction is to protect myself is to cry. Yes. So I think like it, that's is what is happening is the, the monster, like yeah. remember the monster remembering a trauma. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. And that's what I'm saying uh, with, with Penny's response is he's giving the correct therapeutic response yeah. to it. Like, yep. Buddy, you are wasting your time with magic. Go be a therapist. Yeah. You're so much better at that. And you'll have a better relationship with your hands. Now I have uh, the a question that uh, basically the door will be there. Elliot will oh. say I'm happy. Yes. I just had one note on the monster watching it when he makes a callback to he called me a monster, but look at him. Mm-hmm. Why am I a monster and you're a god? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Followed by he only liked to fight them when they were weak, which was a line that really stood out to me because he... When he has tried to fight any of the gods, he has faced them head on. It has never been a sneak attack. It has never been wearing them down. He has just gone straight at them. Mm-hmm. 
because when they killed his sister, it wasn't fair. They weakened mm-hmm. her first. Yeah. And I just wanted to mention that because it was a line that stood out to me. Well, the thing is, um, in the beginning of the episode, the monster comes and say, oh, I had this... I, I, I remember now this is... A, there's a, a second one and I need an alias. And he goes into that memory. Do you think Elliot triggered that memory? To have someone come into the monster psyche to talk to someone. This is the, I wrote down this is the second time Elliot has incepted Penny. Yeah, but it's just, it's he just it's, he can do it. He just needs the proper circumstances. Yeah, exactly. And we know that um, it's the first time that I saw Elliot appearing in the door as volunteer. He seemed ready for it. Yeah, he so I think exactly I just said to Penny, he was ready for me. Exactly. Elliot's smart. (laughs) So I really think that Elliot triggered that memory. Elliot, you mind fucking little shit. He's uh, he's brilliant. Um, And yeah, and it it finished with uh, Penny doing, oh no, it's so much worse. And then it stopped. And fuck you, I hate those cliffhangers. Here's the thing that bothers, and this is persistent throughout the rest of the season. We hear how bad it is. We hear it's so much worse. We hear... We never see a real threat. Okay. That is a war tactic. It's a war tactic. In media, it it falls... Because there's this huge buildup, and we I just feel like... Okay. This, um, it's so much worse. Like, it... What's going to happen to these kids? But the thing is, it could have been way worse, but they were ready. They stopped the sister rather quickly. But if she would have been loose and without the monster, it would have been super bad, I think. Because the sister don't go on the carnage for one thing. She realized her, her brother care about humans. Now, how did Elliot get all of this information? I mean, he went into it. He said I poked around his memory. Yeah. But the mod, if so, I'm just thinking about this now. This this is not. This is just like random word babble. If he's poking around his memory and he's seeing things through the monster's memory, it wouldn't look bad. If that makes sense. I mean, memories can be. The memory that we see in The Magician are not um, tinted with the perspective. They are what they are. But he's in the monster's mind. Yes, but you... Perceive it. I mean, the the peach and plum and uh, thing where Elliot refused Q, Elliot could have looked way better in that. And he isn't. So I think the memory is is the memory. And how you interpret it is different. But an event is an event. is how you react and understand it. that, um, And fight it. I mean, we did and talk I've... about this in, the, in that episode. In a, uh, Escape from a Happy Place. Whether Elliot's memories were what happened verbatim. Or whether they were... 
how he interpreted and remembered them. Yeah. So we're going back to that now. Welcome back to What Are Brains? Uh, it's, it's just fascinating. And um, as someone, we know that Elliot will live after the removal of the monster with the monster inside of him. And I would just like to... The, Elliot, is, Elliot and Quentin are the two persons that understand the monster. And I want to look into it more. I have this whole thing in my head where Julia could understand the sister if the sister had gone into her head and all of that. Oh, I yeah. Did. I mean, if, if if the sister would have been there, it's just I don't think uh, there will be people. I think if Julia and the, and the sister had talked, because Julia understands, yeah, no, gods are fucked up. Do you want to know what they... They did that shit to you? Yeah, but she doesn't believe in that kind of violence because it was inflicted to her. But that's why I think if they met and communicated with each other, I don't I think feel so. Like I, because the monster scene is being able to. Yeah, work. but the sister refutes. We she's don't in the that. old ways. Well, she she always talks about the old ways. I just I I have so many things that get caught. <laughs> so much it could have been. Yep. All I right, love let's... these characters so much. Um, so let's go uh, finally to Fillory. I feel like where... I'm to, sorry, I just feel like I'm trying to like make things work so hard, but I just I love the character design so much. And mm -hmm. I just want to say that. Oh, we're gonna talk about the sister when she arrives. Don't worry. Oh, I'm not gonna uh... about it. <laughs> um, so we're in Fillory, where we just uh, last episode, if we remember, uh, Fen just learned that she has to kill bloodily Margot to get the throne. Why doesn't Fen trust Margot enough to tell her the truth? Have you met Margot? She's scary. Yes, Actually, but I, I think that down. I think that Fen trusts her enough with not fun things. Where did I write? Oh, I write this down somewhere. Um, yeah, no, there was no reason for Finn and Margo not to communicate on this. Mm -hmm. Because they could have worked out a plan. Yeah. I, I just think um, Finn is not afraid of Margo. She's afraid of herself right now. It's Oh, okay, I broke Jasper for the third time. Um, <laughs> but I think it's the first time she was giving a choice, a true choice about her position in the court. Well, not just that, trying to figure out a reason why she would have to dethrone Margot. Yeah. What does Margot do? <gasps> to a point where not only she dream about it, but Rue. That's okay. That would explain why she didn't tell Margot, though. Is like, mm -hmm. what did Margot do that makes my destiny dethroning her? Yeah. What will she do when I tell her about this? Yeah. Oh, that's actually terrifying. Well, Mar and and then they arrive to Josh, and Margot learns that Elliot is alive, and her reaction is to stop listening, and then banging Josh in front of everyone. I, I, I'm, I'm a sexual. I don't understand. Sometimes when you have, 
when you're really bad at having emotions, but really good at having sex. Or sometimes you're like, I have, I feel like Margo's like, I have too many emotions and my initial emotion is to cry, so I'm going to do something that's not that. Oh. But the first thing I can do, I can fuck this. Mm-hmm. She should have turned to Finn, but that's another story. I mean, she should have. Finn, Finn watched for just just long enough to be inappropriate. She was all, oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> and you, did we see her leave, or was she standing there 20 minutes later going, I should leave? <laughs> no, no, she, she, she I'm not going turned, to, but she I'm turns sure. and tells the court to leave. Um, she tells the court to leave. But, but the thing is, that uh, well, uh, before Mar- Margot bangs Josh, um, Josh say, "Oh, there's this problem, this problem," and it's Finn that answer and talks, saying like they should have a council, and and Josh saying, "Yeah, I prepared a banquet and stuff." Like that. so, it's I King Finn that came because Margot is like, Elliot, Elliot, yeah. Elliot, Elliot, Elliot. I, f- I feel like Finn. It, it... You know what? Actually, now that I'm thinking about this and I'm looking at it. That's unfair to Finn. Mm. Because Finn has also just learned that Elliot's alive. Elliot. Her husband, Elliot. Yes, but I... And she's Her reaction was never... She's not allowed to have a strong emotion because Margot's having all the emotions. She has to deal with Margot's shit now. Which is the contrary of what happened in season two. Yeah, it's Margot has to be the high queen because because uh, Finn is crying, and Finn's like, "Oh, Margot's having a strong emotion. I have to, I have to be Margot now." Mm-hmm. And the thing, the thing is, they um well, after after they fuck, uh, there's this this pen of uh, Josh and Margot saying it's the most touristic I've ever had, but they still have clothes. Again, I'm asexual, but I don't think. I think they were clothed because of TV, and but it doesn't make sense. This sentence. Yeah, but well, we've we've seen characters wake up, wake up naked. But they still have clothes. It's just Margot doesn't have her jacket. I need to take off more than my jacket. Exactly. I. Ha- this this sentence never made sense to me. I know authors get women's anatomy wrong all the time, but vaginas are not on the shoulder. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> um, and and then uh, Josh basically says, um, "Don't Josh do anything." Has a plan. Yeah, but he said, "Don't do anything stupid." Another foreshadow of Quentin's death. I was just thinking, have you met Margot before ever? No, I think I, I think it's I think it's uh it's just knowing that his group of friends will oh, die for each other. Are stupid or will die for each other. Because they're stupid. Um I, I and like that he's got a plan to save Elliot before he ever tells Margot. Before he tells Margot Elliot's alive, he's like, I'm going to come up with a whole plan about well, some... It's funny that you say that because I, I used to work at an airline where my job was basically knowing that the plane was delayed and there was like 30 misconnection. And I arrived when the plane was landing, I arrived with 
the, the connection fixed to another airline or they have an hotel and a meal voucher and their next flight is then. So they don't have to do a wait line. So there were those like stress passengers that all they think is, oh my God, I'm missing my connection. Oh my God, I'm missing my connection. And you arrive and say, don't worry, I got you. You could see their body language change. Joke's on you. I'm always stressed in a plane. No, but it's the idea that yeah, that it, you anticipate. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like before, before he told Margot, he's like, "I've got to come up with a whole plan, or else Margot's going to Margot this." Exactly. I, I think that's the proof that Margot knows. Josh knows Margot more than Margot wants to admit. And Josh loves Margot. And I think her being impressed and him being proud of it is the first time we see that because, like. It's hard to make Margot impressed. It really is. This was just like one of the one of the times that the only way I could describe Josh's actions that were oh, that's love. Yeah. He knows what's important to Margot and it's okay that it's not about him. Well, and the thing is, when he talks about the rest of the, like, first thing first, Elliot's alive. And he knows that Margot is going to check out, so he talked to Fenn. Yep. Yeah, that's that, like, it's just, pure, it's love is all I can describe. And yeah. I have already anticipated your action before you have a chance to decide to make it. Exactly. Um, then we met True, who is now queen of uh, North Loria because of the Civil War. And I'd be thrown she... anyone for her. But the thing is, why must Ruby be included in the dethroning? Is it because she has an army that Fen doesn't? Or it's the pressure. Fen has to do it now. The Napster knew that Fen might hesitate. The Napster knew that Finn would ask about Margot first before herself. So she's like, she needs an incentive to dethrone Margot. Did we talk about how Margot's uh, destiny that the, the Napster would have given her would have been the same as, the, as Finn's destiny? Margot's destiny would have been you have to give, your, to give up your throne. You have to give, yeah. That's Finn I is, you have to give up the. Fan is you have to take the throne bloodily if it might, because Margot might not give it willingly. And I don't think Margot, Margot learning that she has to give up her throne will have never given up. But Finn, knowing that Finn has learned that she has to, and she's trying to battle it, and then learning that the foremost has the axe, is what make Margot have the decision. But without Finn yeah. struggling to dethrone her, even if it's her destiny, I don't think Margot will have given her... She's too proud. Yeah. Also, why did... Why did the... Why did the Lorian deliver the message? I, I feel like it was mentioned, I just completely forgot. Uh, they, they have a meeting right now. They're yeah. having a meeting... Because there's not enough magic in the air, and it's okay. causing unrest. I just didn't write it down. I was trying to remember, but I didn't remember, so I went back to. Don't think um, the Adderall kicked in. But also, 
like Fanny is like, oh, haha, we're ha- gonna have dinner. What were you really thinking? That's that's what I'm gonna say. Like she's playing dumb, and then Rui's like, if you do this, I'm gonna make peace with Fillory. And then hiking Fan kicked in, and she's like, wow, like this. Holy shit! Politically, it would be amazing. <laughs> Can we talk about how Rue respects Finn as a high king too? Say more. Like Rue's like knows what should be important to a high king. She first of all does not let Finn play stupid. She does not let Finn get away with that. She's just like, no, okay. Look, I am looking into your eyes right now. I'm very attractive, and we should bang we- then. Absolutely. Um, but then she's, she's, first of all, she believes that Finn can dethrone Margo. There's no doubt in her mind that Finn can do it. And she mentions what should be important to a high king, which is fillery. And it, it's, it's not uh, about we, friendship, it's about fillery. And we always said that Finn made decisions for fillery, not for herself. So I I felt like that was Rue treating Finn with so much more respect than most anyone else treats her with. But the thing is, we know that Josh listens and hear that, and he's friend with Finn. He's a Finn friend, the friend, and uh, why doesn't he go see her? Does he think that Finn? Okay, I'm gonna track that back. You know enough Margot to come up with plans and talk to Fen when it's like he doesn't know Fen enough to know she never do it. I think he I, I don't think he thinks Fen will do it. I think he for me I think there's a possibility and it scares him. He doesn't know Fen enough. He knows Margot because they have been in school together and they spend time together. But also he knows Margot. And knowing Margot, the last thing I would want to do is tell Margot. Hmm. Let's think about Margot's reaction to other things. We declare war on Loria. Yeah, and she learned from that. She did learn from that. I'm just saying, historically speaking, my first impulse would not be, I need to tell Margot. Yeah. Because Margot's gonna do something Margot. But the thing is, during the the, 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 the feast, uh, Margot learned that the foremost will never come because they're enemy of Philoria. Of Philoria! Well, of Philoria and Loria. And um, he has the access, so uh, she needs them. And then she she learns from others that there's a ploy against her. Also, I wanted real bad to punch Tick in the face. Mm. Tick was being the worst during this scene. Tick is the worst. He was on a whole new level of the worst this time. Like, this was... What the fuck, dude? Well, we don't see him in season five. There's maybe a reason for that. Uh, the worst. But um, do you think that Margot going to Finn and saying, dethrone me, is an act of mercy? It's an act of, before even you're doing the thing, I'm forgiving you. 
In fact, I won't forgive you if you're not doing it. Or was it an act of mercy to take the choice from her? Ooh. Ooh. <gasps> I broke she knew that. <laughs> I think she knew that Finn will never. If Margot knows if Josh knows Finn and, uh, if Josh knows Margot enough. I think she understood both that she needed to go get the axes, but she also understood how much it would hurt Finn to have to make the choice between Fillory and Margot. And I think Margot knows that the history remember will remember Finn at the Troninger and how it happened. Who cares? Also, she doesn't want Finn to have to live with that betrayal. True. Because I, I don't know if Finn could have acted like she deserved to be High King, if that makes sense. You know what? It makes me think of... Margot in season one felt betrayed because Elliot wasn't there for him. In a time of need, where she needed him to show up, he didn't. And I think, I think Margot's language of love is actions. It very much is. And I think, um, sorry, I'm trying to phrase what I'm saying, but yeah, I that's think where I'm having trouble. I think having Elliot bail on her marked her and kind of broke their friendship for a while. And I think she she knew that she will have to leave Fillory for a while. And she already lost Elliot. This was making it okay. Yep. She's like, hey, we're friends. It's okay. I'm showing up for you and know that I'm forgiving you already. So this it, was like, also a I'm not abandoning you. This was also mercy unto herself. So yeah. she didn't, she wasn't abandoning Finn. Or her throne. But she still had to give up everything. We, we, she, we discussed this in the next episode. She had to fight for every ounce of power that she's had. Mm -hmm. And she handed it to Finn. This is why this, there's this beautiful shot of Finn saying, excuse me, I have to talk to Rue. And while Finn is going to get the army, there's this pan where we just see F uh, Margot break down in tears and we yeah. see the throne in the back. This is like everything I fought for and I got. I need to give up for a friend that is not there yet. But at least I'm giving it to another friend. It's almost like a, there's, a, there's a strength she attaches to the throne. Because mm -hmm. she had to fight for it. She had to work for it. She had to go through all of this shit. And she continues every single time she sits on that throne to fight to prove she deserves it. Mm -hmm. And giving that up feels... There, actually, there might be an almost relief in it. Yeah. Both the 
there's there's a sadness in the crying, but also the way her shoulders fall. Mm. There's a weight that comes off. I don't have to prove it right now. Yeah. And also, I know she trusts Fen enough that giving the crown doesn't mean giving up Fillory and worrying about it after. I know Fillory will still be here. Yeah. Oh. That hurts knowing that's what's gonna happen, eh? Not just that. Fillory can survive without me. Huh. Ouch. Not being needed. Yep. There. Where before with Elliot, she was constantly needed because Mm -hmm. Elliot is good at some things not those things yeah so going from being constantly needed to Fillory doesn't need me right now how did Josh keep his mp3 player charged magic Okay, if cell phones don't work, how do you use... <clears throat> but cell phones do work in Fillory, but they yeah. don't work at break bills. Why do they work in Fillory and they don't work at break bills? They don't work in Fillory, remember? It's weird that uh, that Fen has three bars in in season five. And it's because of the time bees. I hate this show. <laughs> Are you ready for the Divina? No! Okay! Oh, no. I'm sorry if I was all over the place this episode. I took my Adderall, but I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, Lecture Divina, for those who are new to this show, is a monastic practice uh, that was uh, adapted for podcasting by Harry Potter and the Secret Text. And it has four steps in which we are going to read in, into a, a sentence of a, a sacred text, which for us is the script of the magician. And uh, we're going to try to see how we can better ourselves with it. So, uh, also, right now, I'm... Sc- yes. For those just tuning into the show, who this is the first episode they've ever listened to, why? Why, yeah, why, why, why this episode? This episode? Sorry. <laughs> you said, I'm like, why this episode in particular? I want to know. I'm curious. I just okay, got Um... So right now I'm scrolling. Tell me when to stop. And I am so bad at this. Cannot be bad. I'm telling me to stop while I'm scrolling. But I am. Stop. Huh. Uh, What did I do this time? Okay. First step is read what is literally happening. He called me monster. But look at him. Oh, I have this line written down. Wait, I did good this time. You did good this time. So first step, what is literally happening? He he called me monster, but look at him. The monster watching his sister being dismembered by monsters. By uh, librarians that want to turn themselves as God. Second step, an allegory. What does it remind you of? Like a story. And I'll go again. He called me monster, but look at him. Frankenstein. 
Go ahead. Frankenstein's monster. Mm-hmm. Who was the monster? The doctor yeah. or what he created? Mm-hmm. Which is literally the, the gods created Jennifer and his sister and then called them monsters. Mm-hmm. You I'm gonna them- go in the in another way, because that's the first thing. It, it remind me of uh, the song "Monster" from the Broadway Frozen, where <laughs> uh, basically Elsa just uh, froze Ferendel forever, and she eyes. It's after. Uh, it's before letting go. After letting go. It's after letting go. But um, yeah, because she's wearing pants. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Look. But it's uh, after after uh, it's basically her that's like oh they, they, she hears that they want to kill her, and she's like oh they want me to be a monster I'm gonna be a monster I'm gonna kill people I'm gonna be that bitch and then she see her sister and she's not able to. Okay, yeah, you know what the first thing I thought of was now that you've said that I feel like I can say this. Hmm. Have you ever seen Scooby Doo on Zombie Island? Mm-hmm. When they're all afraid of the uh, zombies, mm-hmm. but it turned out it was the cat people who had made the zombies. Granted, the zombies were Confederate soldiers, so they probably weren't that good, but that's unrelated. <laughs> all right. So, third step What does it remind you in your life? He called me monster, but look at him. Everything they said about me when I left. Okay. When I left my ex. Mm-hmm. And all the things that he said about me, about mm-hmm. how I was this horrible human being and all of this. It's like, yeah, I may be awful, but why is that? But I'm not in a cult. Anymore. Which one of us... Which one of us here is the monster? Which one of us alienated us? The one who can't function properly or the one who made them that way? Exactly. Um, He called me monster, but look at him. Makes me think of... Something I'd like to say to my mirror self. You make me believe that I'm shit, that I'm a monster, that I'm a fraud, that I'm not worth loving. But look at yourself. You're a piece of shit. And you're not even from within. You're a disease. Mm. What you say to Venom. Yeah. Fuck Venom. Because I feel like your mirror self is just a different side of... I don't know how to explain it. No, but I say that's what I would I like to say to Venom. To my depression. Yeah, mood. Uh, well, let's go with the fourth step, what it makes you feel called for. And I'm going to say, have mercy on myself. 
take a bit of Alice and be kinder to myself and forgive myself for things that sometimes are out of my control or something I might have fucked up. I agree with that. That's way nicer than what I first thought. What did you think? (laughs) My first thought was just be the monster. And then I thought, Mm. call my therapist. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And then you said that, I'm like, hmm. What one of these things is more stable than the other? <laughs> one of these things has anger issues. So before I, we leave, let's do the rose and the flower. Oh, I'm so bad at this. So the rose and the flower is an expression my grandma used to say, saying that you don't give a back-ended compliment, such as, hey, that was a good idea to overthrow my girlfriend. <laughs> You had a really good plan to overthrow my girlfriend, who I love. Uh, so uh, let's give the vase, which is the thumbs down of uh, the criticism, the person we're not proud of, of the episode. Everett. Yeah. Everett, Everett, Everett. I tried to explain it, but all I could say was Everett. Everett. I wanted to say Everett, too, so let me think... Hmm. I'll say Quentin for not hearing his friend when they say they're worried about him. Oh, I forgot a part about Quentin I wanted to to point out because I got distracted by that thing. Hmm? Now that you said that you said that it reminded me of a part about Quentin I had written down that I forgot to say. What is it? That Quentin wouldn't pull Penny out. And when you said that, I'm like, oh yeah, Quentin's like, no, I, I would, I would let anyone die. Yeah, I think um, that's like that's one of the thing when you are in the depression, especially when you have a suicidal tendency, is when your friends say that they're worried, you have to listen to them. And Jasper, I feel like I'm being personally attacked right now. Okay. (laughs) I was being personally attacked. Um, let's give a flower then. I'm gonna give you one because you you listen when I say I was worried. Now I let's did. Talk about, I did. Let's talk, talk about the episode. Um, uh, Penny, my flower goes to Penny. Okay. Because Penny recognized that there were there was something more important than him and Julia because up until now I feel like his the only thing important to him is Julia's alive keep Julia alive make sure Julia's alive mm-hmm. and he had a moment where he's like I I can do something to help mm-hmm. and it won't help Julia mm-hmm. but I can help and he did not want to I'll uh, I'll think I'll give my flowers to Hmm. I... my god I'm I'm switching between two person right now. You can have two flowers. Okay. First I'm gonna give it to Josh. 
for recognizing Margot when Margot doesn't know what Margot wants. You understand Margot more than uh, more than Margot sometimes, and um, it's not it's not some it's hard to love Margot. I was just saying, not even Elliot knew Margot in this emotional way that Josh does. Mm -hmm. And that makes me sad. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to give my other flower to Margot for that sentence you said that changed the whole situation for me of... Margot made a choice where Finn couldn't. She re- she relieved Finn of that that choice. Um, Margot is someone really painted as selfish, and is one of the most selfless things she's done. Margot wants to be selfish, but the thing is, she acts like it's selfish. Being selfish is easier. Yeah. But the thing is, she even said, like, I won't forgive you if you're not doing it. Like, she's playing the bitch. But, in fact, that's the most beautiful action that she made. And I think, look at Margot season one and that. And there's a... Margot season four would hate Margot season one. Yeah. They would fight. Yeah. I want to give a flower to Alice, too, while we're here. Okay. Just for accepting herself mm-hmm. with her faults and loving herself and letting herself make mistakes. Aww. So um, next episode is the singing one. The episode Summer Hates. She doesn't like it? Summer never wants to sing. Well, too bad she's good. Oh, you never want to sing? You get off. Let's have a whole scene. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm excited about this episode. So um, have a have a good day, guys. And sorry, Chase, it's a two-hour episode that you're gonna have to trim down. I, I, I took my Adderall. Bye.